Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. Happy New Year, by the way. It is the first podcast of 2019. I don't always date these things, but uh, yeah, Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you all had a lovely holiday season. Uh, I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Howdy. And your co-host, Spaz. Hello. And we have a guest this week to start the new year off. Uh, joining us from where in the United Kingdom are you, Glenn? I'm in Kent, just Kent. below London. I have heard of Kent. Yes, I, I watch a lot of uh, I watch a lot of British sitcoms and whatnot. So I've actually heard of Kent. Uh, so uh, joining us from Kent, uh, just south of London, is Glenn Pauly. Did I say that right? I hope I did. Yeah, um, you got that right. Sh- <laughs> Thank I you. And I'm really pleased to be on the show. I should have asked before we started recording. Uh, folks, Glenn is working on a new uh, upcoming... I don't know what you call these. I mean, they aren't grand strategy games, but I like to call them character and intrigue-driven games instead of like... Uh, they're not... What would, you ca- what would you call, Glenn? I've really struggled with that myself. I've been calling it character simulations, okay. space empire management. It, oh, I can't right. think yet of, a, of like a single word or, or a phrase that, that captures the, the, yeah. the essence. Because you're not like an emperor in this game. You're the leader of a house who wants to be the emperor. So you can't call it an emperor simulator. Like um, there's another game that, that actually Stellar Monarch, which is an emperor simulator. Oh, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I, I like think of it. I like think of these games driven by character and intrigue. That's why that's like games like Crusader Kings, games like Star Wars, Star Wars Rebellion, that are more driven by moving and dealing with characters than moving fleets and colony ships and stuff like that, uh, which we don't clearly have enough of. So it's really nice to get another player in this very very tiny arena. <laughs> I think there's. Only Good. one of the, I think there's only one other game in development that's like this that I can think of. Uh, Alliance of the Sacred Sons. It's the only other one I can think of. Um, so, I, first off, right off the bat, I gotta thank you for making something along these lines because, you know, you I don't know about you guys, but I get tired of moving around colony ships, and and fleets and scouts, you know, and stuff like that. It's like it's the same decisions over and over and over, you know. Like it's it's nice to have something a little different, you know. Where instead of dealing with ships, you're dealing with people. I like that. Yeah, and I, I've been saying for a long time the the whole thing of like, hey, I'm I'm the king, right? That means that I'm not like down at the spaceport managing what cargo goes on what ship, you know. It's it's like I I have a view from the throne. Right, so you're not in the minutia of things. You tell people to make stuff happen, and then people come back to you and tell you what happened. Right, so yeah, that that's kind of a thing that I've been looking for. Definitely. I think the the spark for me is that if you look at empire management, I guess what it was really like in history, especially in pre-modern times. The most important thing about it would have been the personal lives of the of like the the kings and queens in it. So, you know, uh, alliances have been forged through marriage. Uh, empires have been, have been lost through a, a king's social ineptitude. 
you know, a rebellion has started simply because, you know, the, the rulers of a king would not have liked his personal friends or his advisors. So a lot of history is really about personal drama rather than moving units around a map. And that's kind of where I'm, where I'm going, where, it, as, you said, as you said before, it's not really been done uh, too many times in games yet. So that's, that's yeah. really where I'm coming from. So is that so? Uh, is that where you got started? A desire to have a game like this? Like, when did you start working on this, and what and what was really the impetus? Well, the impetus, or I guess the seed of the idea. I've been playing empire management games for a long time, and uh, oh, what you figure out after you've been playing them for a long time is that they're not that. They're not good facsimiles of history, or, or what it was like in, in in medieval times or in the ancient world. Precisely because the human drama actually controlled so much of what happened. Like, you know, the classic stories like uh, Helen of Troy, a war started over the love of a woman, which you don't get by playing Civilization, as fun as Civilization is. So that was the you know the germ of the idea. And um, ultimately, and then Crusader Kings came out, and I said, "Well, someone's done it. It's it's great. This is exactly what I meant. the the um, The focus is on the drama of the characters' lives, and from that drama comes a great a, a great uh, you know story of of nations rising and falling and, and battling kings and." Um, I've just been kind of uh, hoping that there would be other games that would pick up that same theme, and there have there hasn't really been. So that's where what Story Dynasties is about. Yeah, we we need to talk about Frances Espinosa because uh, so at first she was giving me the eye, and then she divorced <laughs> her husband, got married to some other guy, divorced him, and then she's like shacked up with somebody else, and I I just I don't know what's going on. with like what what actually is is that like some preset stuff or that's part of the the like auto gen of, of just like it makes some us like history for these people and then okay now we start the game or is this actually for for demo purposes is it sort of a set piece right what's actually happening right now and I'm, it's not necessarily the way it, uh, the way it will still keep working but right now the map is procedurally generated and then while you've got that loading message the game's actually playing through 10 years of history so that it will have generated a, a, a history for the characters that you start the game out with okay. so so what is it in like in the case of this character like what goes on in in the ai that decides like she you know she's attracted to somebody and then she like gets married and then gets divorced. And, you know, are, are you looking at like simulating other politics that happened and she does things that are to her advantage politically or, you know, it's cause it, cause it seems like it would get very, very complicated really There's fast to simulate a bunch of interpersonal relationships and opinions of people. And, and also while they're vying for power and, and things. So, 
there's a lot of factors that will go into that. Like uh, the characters are influenced by their personalities, but also by the context. So, for example, a, a ruler in the game is motivated to build alliances with other rulers and leaders, and marriage is the first tool that they have to do so. It's the best tool to do so because, well, you're less likely to be attacked by your brother-in-law and they're much more likely to help you in a fight. So uh, that's, what, that, what, that's what would be motivating that. At the same time, they need uh, children to have an inheritance. So a leader might divorce if they're not getting anywhere with their, with their existing spouse, despite the, pol- the, the political ramifications of, of doing so. So there's a lot of factors that, that go into that. Uh, and that's exactly the, co- the complexity that then leads to interesting stories. Yeah, because, well, like when we were talking before the show, like I brought up the whole the interpersonal relationships in Dune. Right. And, the you know, Paul's mother turns out, spoiler, but was actually a Harkonnen before she went off to Bene Gesserit school. Right. So it, it's like the the Duke is actually married to like the cousin of his mortal enemy kind of thing. And that sort of stuff. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's like the intrigue and the, and the peace brokering and the, you know, marriages of, of political reason and stuff. So yeah, if you're, if you're actually simulating those motives in there and, and that sort of stuff, I mean, that like how, how deep does it go? Could, could somebody actually like send somebody off in a political marriage, but actually do it to have them as a spy? kind of thing in the in the other empire Did, will that person actually feed information back depending on their loyalties it doesn't happen yet that way but i'm still kind of at the tip of the iceberg in terms of the content that can be added to the game so i mean that is precisely the kind of story that i want to start that i want to model and that's where i want to go with with the game and with the content in the game Yeah, because so what? What? Oh, good. Go ahead. Well, I, w- I was just going to say, like, what kind of challenges are you running into as far as getting the getting the computer to actually think through all these things and come up with something that's plausible instead of like some random insanity? Because I, I think that would be a, just a really tough task to do. I don't know how I would begin to model that. Well, it's a. Uh... The first approach that I'm that I was using was the idea that you've got a few a couple of thousand characters they're modeled and they're all they've all got their own personal agenda or they're all trying to act in ways that advantage them and then the hope was that if you zoom out the the aggregate effect of all those characters acting to their own advantage would create an interesting emergent narrative. And that's been, it's definitely been partly true because you, you get all sorts of interesting stories where, where a character will, will, will go through a series of actions and interact with, uh, you get all sorts of, of really interesting interactions. The flip side of it is you do get the, you do get some of the random insanity that you, that you're talking about. And, there's a balance there that I that I'm I'm still trying to get perfectly right, where you both have that background uh, action of all those characters, 
But on top of that, you're trying to overlay something a little more structured for the player as well. Mm. I have to yeah, say, that, like, oh, good. for your own debugging, you know, if, if you're logging what people make decisions, you know, it's, it's kind of like I would I would have it put in the log of like so and so made this decision because, right? And and that way you know, like, well, what were they thinking? Why did they do this? Kind of thing. And I don't know that you would reveal that entirely to the player or not, but sometimes it might be nice to actually ask some somebody, you know, if, if you have a relationship with them to the level where you could ask them is, is just like, what were you thinking when you did that or what motivated that kind of thing? Because if I'm trying to understand an action, you know, like some, somebody declares war on somebody else. And if I could ask one of the parties involved, you know, it's like, why did that happen? Because, you know, I, di- I didn't see it coming or if they could declare when they do something like I'm declaring war on you because whatever, and just kind of make like a public uh, decree about it. That's actually a really good piece of feedback because this is something I have been thinking about a lot. It would be, I mean, technically it wouldn't be that complex to show to the player the Mm -hmm. factors that are going into a decision-making. I mean, think about a little bit like, say, in Stellaris, when you make a diplomatic request, you get a list of factors with a number, and it kind of shows you what the thinking is of the AI around a certain decision. And it wouldn't be that complex to do so for, well, for decisions, definitely, but also for actions like when we get attacked or there's rebellion or or even small actions that characters do. Hmm. Um, And there's a, there's kind of a game design discussion whereby on the face of it, it can feel a bit less real. Uh, obviously, because people in real life don't 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 explicitly tell you exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. but by showing a little bit of the of, of the machine underneath, it actually can make it more real for the player yeah. because they they can see what what the characters are taking into account. I'm not really sure yet how to to how to play this one. I've, I've got an idea. So the the advisor thing, right? Like in Civilization, where they'll have you know, Gandhi pops up and, and says, okay, you know, th- this is, this is what I advise you to do right? okay. or, or whatever. So if, if that person could explain things be, because, you know, it's like, it's like, this is the guy that's, that's, you know, the next to the throne. Right. And I turn to him and ask him, why did that happen? Okay. And, you know, maybe, maybe with limited information, as much as you want to give the player that, that character could explain you know, it's like, well, there's a history of this, you know, or, you know, traditionally these two have never gotten along and, you know, the it, it just boiled over or whatever. Or, um, you know, it's like if and also a lot of the news announcement stuff, then that character could deliver that rather than it being just kind of a pop up thing. You know, it's dependent on how you want to organize it into almost like they come and give you the monthly report like, oh, here's here's the things that went on and then sprinkle in that some color about like motivations of why, you know, it's it's like this person had a trade deal with those people, but then decided to break it because. (laughs) <laughs> right. So if you can just get the word because in there and and I think that would make it a lot more to to the player. And, it, you know, it's also a thing of maybe 
because you do you do a really fine job of having everything as a link to something, right? So it would be like uh, they make a statement about the news, like you know the trade deal with somebody has ended, and that's actually a link. And if I click on that, then the person would actually explain why. Maybe. Oh, I see. And, that, and that way, I don't have to get like a wall of text about it, but I can dig down in the conversation with that person about, please, you know, give me more detail about this, you know, or, or sometimes it's just enough to know that it happened because I already know what's going on. And I think as people get more familiar with the game, they'll recognize the patterns anyway and won't need that as much. But to the new player, that's going to be like a critical thing, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, that, that brings up an interesting point I was going to make in terms of traits that that the the personality traits of an individual can also affect how things are weighted, how events are weighted when they're deciding what decisions to make. <clears throat> so a trade deal can can fail not necessarily because the conditions were unfavorable, but maybe because there's something else going on. That cause one party to say, wait a second, I'm changing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, that that's a really sweet trade deal. And it looks like the thing that he really should have done. Why didn't he do it? And it's like, oh, right. because other influence over there, if they had done this, then that person's opinion of him, because that person who he's friends with really hates this person who brought the trade deal. So this guy can't do it because loyalties. Oh, I see. I get it. And you can present that as a kind of your advisor's interpretation of what's going on. Yeah, where he would say, well, this would have been the thing that they'd have done if it hadn't been for this other factor. Right. So, okay. I I don't know. I don't know how I would present that like in a consistent way because it's very situational. Right. But there's some way to do it. Yeah. I was thinking in terms of the the traits that that show up that maybe as you encounter these traits that they get added to the, uh, the overall, you know, everything that that gets linked. So if a certain trait comes up multiple times, then you can recognize it as it becomes a link that you can check. So maybe initially when you encounter this, you don't really have perfect information, but as you encounter the traits throughout the game, the more traits you encounter, the more, the more of these things get linked, you get a little bit deeper into the simulation as to how how that played out, why that played out the way it did in a forensic sort of way. Yeah, is it, are there are there traits on the characters like this person is is like quick to anger, that person's a coward, you know, yeah. this person's insecure about things because your advisor could kind of remind you of that too, you know, it'd just be like well, he probably wouldn't declare war because he's a known coward. Yeah, he's a coward. Not th- that that all makes sense. Characters do have traits, and those traits are naturally taken into account when they when they, they take decisions. Mm. So it's I guess it's a it's a case of how do you make that vivid to the player that characters are acting based on their personality, and, and an advisor pointing that out to you could definitely be one way to do it. Yeah. And it, I guess it'd be neat if you had, yeah, it's, a, it's a tough so. challenge to get that in there though. Cause you know, it's, you have to vary it a, a little bit and not like always present like all of the information. 
right? So too much verbosity is bad, but not enough. So, yeah, I, th- I think the thing of like letting the player drill into it conversationally, maybe, um, or, or even you know just through the hypertext stuff that you do, is probably the only good way to do it. But- There's also different kinds of players. Well, I guess there's some people who will want it, the minimum amount of, of text mm-hmm. to, to get a sense of what's going on. And then there are going to be players that like uh, more long form stories. Right. And, and although, as you can see from the current, um, the current alpha, there isn't a lot of body text when the event window pops up. Mm-hmm. That's one way in which I want to bring the world to life more by adding uh, uh, a more, I guess, uh, flavorful lore text uh, with you know body text that's describing what's what's going on in the story, and that would also be uh, an opportunity to say to kind of highlight that uh, a character is 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 aggressive or a coward in terms of uh, you know in the context of whether they they declared war, for example. Mm. And well, forget, the other thing uh, too uh, is you you wouldn't be limited to necessarily one advisor. Um, because like, let's say you had, uh, like a trade advisor and then you have a military advisor and maybe those two would have conflicting opinions, but they, they have, you know, because they have personality traits kind of thing. Yeah. So, so it's like, we'll do it, you know, who, who in my cabinet do I want to consult about this? Because I could get advice, but it might be very different advice depending, you know, do I, do I want the military opinion? Do I want the business opinion? You know, do I, do I like call call up grandma and, and ask what I should do about this girl, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of thing. So it, it's uh, yeah. The, the one thing also that you do really, really well is you have a lot of, uh, of really nice icons in here that break down the information about things. Um, you know, so I can tell at a glance once I'm familiar with the icons and, and again, I can mouse over them to get a pop-up thing. Um, you've you've done a tremendous amount of work in the UI in this thing, like much more so than than most games. Um, it's so wonderful. That, you know, commendation for for that. It's, because it's a wonderful. So much information. It's it's wonderful. really tough to present. I struggle wonderful. with Crusader Kings. I still can't get my head around it. But after playing around with this for an hour, I kind of had an idea of what was going on. Like the all the icons made sense. Whereas I look at Crusader Kings and it's just like a wall of data (laughs) and, you know, it's a, it's a spreadsheet with a medieval flavor. Um, Yeah. So, so there's clarity to that. And I I guess the, the thing where you you were saying like some people want it as a narrative and some people want the minimum of it. I, it's kind of like you're presenting the same data twice. It's like, okay, you you have it in the, the compressed uh, efficient icon view. Or if I want to ask the advisor about it, he can summarize it. But it's still the same info that's over there in the icons anyway. So, you know, it's like I could hover over the thing and see, okay, this person is loyal because there's the little dog-looking icon. Or the minister would actually say, oh, and, you know, they are very loyal to you kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, it, it's it's kind of a dual way of presenting it, and that might satisfy both audiences. Okay, just no. hold on for that. Uh, hold on that thought for just a moment. We got to switch servers. Can you guys hear me now? Yep. Now we can. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, I was trying to say things, and no, and and people just kept talking, 
and and I could see my I could see my voice on the mixer. My my thing was lighting up in Discord, but apparently no one could actually hear me. So we've had this happen once before, and thanks Discord fixed it. Thanks Discord, that's great. We love Discord, but you got to get your shit together sometimes, guys. Seriously, the joys of doing this live. Yeah, yeah. Frack it, we'll do it live. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, folks. Yeah, no, I wanted to ask because you guys were talking about um, getting information about different people. I I don't remember. Um, are there ambassadors in the game that you can send to other empires that might give your advisors more information about specific characters? Yeah, that's a great catch because that's that's that, uh, that's been my thinking as well. So in terms of when the game would tell you the reasoning behind the decision, maybe you would get better reasoning if exactly. you had an ambassador uh, at that location. Exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Because then, like the ambassador could actually they're they're in the thick of it with the with this empire, and they yeah. could really give you a much more nuanced approach to the situation. That's what I was thinking that, anyway. And that gives an opportunity too of because I had this happen in the game that I was playing where some somebody like asked me, you know, it said, okay, this empire that's next door wants to send over this person to be an ambassador. Do I want to allow that or not? And and I looked at it and I was like, Yeah, sure. So I, I was kind of wondering though, like, what do I get out of that? Like, can can I actually cultivate a relationship with that person once they're in my empire and kind of win their trust? And then they'll reveal information to me about the other empire. So it's not just there in my kingdom to be a spy for that guy, but I can learn about him through talking. Yeah. Cause you know that. And maybe in a, in a loose lips, sink ships kind of way, they, uh, yeah. they might reveal something they don't want to necessarily reveal to you. Right, right now, it's it's a simple kind of modeling of if they send an ambassador over, they they uh, you get you know you basically like each other more, and uh, well, if you refuse, you're obviously you're going to insult them as well. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I want to be adding stories where when you've got an ambassador over or, or someone has an ambassador with you, like little events will happen, like like you'll get into a conversation with the ambassador and, and, it, and it could go either way, or they might reveal something about the other house, or you discover, uh, as you know, the game kind of limits your visibility of characters. Yeah. But for example, if if someone has sent an ambassador over to a conversation with that ambassador, you could learn about people on the other side of that faction that might be interesting to you politically. Yeah. Cause other, otherwise other than having an ambassador embedded there or having theirs in your empire, um, the only other way to really get that information would be sending spies over, which if they get caught could probably make for bad opinions. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so it's kind of like sending an ambassador over is kind of like the polite spy because it's like a two-way street of information versus, you know, yeah, and depending like, on how much that ambassador likes you, right? So, yeah, we want to get to know you amicably. We want to we want to have an open exchange of information, not subterfuge, not not espionage. Though, I, well, I, I, I we want espionage, but we also want the option to not have to use espionage if we have a good relationship with another. Empire, which is where ambassadors can come in. That's what I think, anyway. Well, you can all you can also use your ambassadors uh, nastily. Like in, when you were playing the, this uh, preview of the game, what was happening to the Archon was that some leader was using their ambassador to 
to pay the nobles of that archon to rebel. That's what all the unrest uh, that was going on there. And he didn't... Uh, in fact, I think later in the game, he caught him doing that. It was one of the events that popped up uh, as you were playing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And if I recall, you didn't know what the ambassador's name was, so it was like unknown person <laughs> is paying off the, this uh this uh this guy and uh yeah it was really fun to see the manipulations i got to say even at this early stage it's just fun to see the cause and effect between characters like in one in one phase of the game this character might find you attractive but then you went to war with these guys and now they don't find you attractive anymore because you're, you're a warmonger. That's not hot, apparently, to this person. Um, but, the, but the Klingons would want you then. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so that, that's a that's a other thing, right? Is is like I have inherited this empire. I didn't get to craft what its personality is. So I might be one personality type, but suddenly I'm put on the throne. You know, I'm a pacifist, and they put me on the throne of the Klingon Empire. So now I have to rule accordingly because the expectation of my people is maybe something against my nature kind of thing. And that could be a struggle. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I haven't, I haven't touched yet. It's still at the brainstorming stage is how to add the, is how to add a model of of cultures to the game. So different factions would have different cultures. Some of them might share cultures and, and that that's actually mirrors my thinking a lot, the idea that a culture would, would shade uh, actions that were considered, that are considered good or bad within a certain uh, faction. So, for example, when you declare war and it's unjustified, you, you commit a, a crime in, in the game. People like you less for it. But maybe if you're in a faction with a more militaristic culture, Okay, you know, maybe maybe people are fine if you, if you, if you declare war. That's unjustified. They don't they don't really care about that. So mm-hmm. so that will motivate you and uh, other characters in that in that culture to play significantly more aggressively. Yeah, well, that and like your own people, right? Not not necessarily that. Well, I declared an unjust war, but what if somebody does something against us, and then I don't seek retribution? enough then maybe my people are very you know they lose a lot of faith in me because it's like well this this oh, person came over here did a bad thing and then what, what do you mean you didn't hunt them down and kill them so yeah you look weak yeah exactly so so it's kind of like looking weak is, is a different equation depending on what your pop you know what your society is basically yeah that makes sense so, are you uh looking yeah. to sorry go ahead Spencer. go ahead all right. Uh, uh, part as part of culture, is religion going to be in there, or is that going to be separate from culture? Is it going to be in the game at all? I haven't worked through my thinking on this yet. I've kind of, I don't know if I'll have it as a, as like a separate uh, feature or whether it will be caught up in culture. Because in some sense, although thematically they're 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 different, mechanistically there's a lot of similarities between them. So. I I don't know if they'll necessarily be separate things. Well, that that could actually be an explainer of the culture 
stuff, you know, like what the predispositions of a culture are, because like, if you look on earth, different nations, right? So is is our religion, what dictates the culture or is the general nature of the culture, you know, which feeds into which, right? Yeah, it's a good discussion. There there are some religious things that, that say, okay, if, if somebody insults you, you have to demand retribution, or whatever. And then there's some places that are like, okay, well, you're supposed to forgive everybody. Right. And, and there's more, there's more tolerant things, but that basically the religion is sort of a reflection of the culture in general. You know, they, they create each other sort of thing. So yeah, I, it, it just, and you can have two different groups, like have the same Holy book and interpreted it differently. (laughs) <laughs> kind of deal or like one place just completely rejects all that mysticism stuff and other people might not like them because of that because they're the heretics you can still kind of model that by saying you know if you, if you did say cultures and religions are are actually almost you know they're very analogous you can still model that because cultures evolve just like right. you get like um you know a cult within within a religion they believe some similar things but they really hate each other well, and there's stuff that goes on like uh, in Stellaris. Well, in in a game like um, uh, em- em- not Fading Suns. Darn it! What's Emperor of the Fading Suns? No, not that. It's uh, no. other. Yeah, I can't think of the name. But anyway, um, it's uh, it's not Fading Suns. It's Sins of a Solar Empire. That so there there's a faction in Sins of a Solar Empire that is very much like um, whenever you're playing um, age of empires where it's like, okay, I make, I make priests. Right. And then I send the priests over to the, to my neighbor's culture and I'm winning like a cultural victory because I'm actually changing their, their culture to mine. Right. So, so I'm throwing influence on them and I'm, I'm wondering, is that like a, a thing that you can do? maybe is to like kind of uh, win over the people of your neighbors. Like, it, it, cause maybe that leader doesn't like me, but his people really like me. So he can't treat me bad. Well, as I said, at this stage, I'm pretty much still at a brainstorming stage of what I want to do with culture, but it absolutely makes sense to me that you would, you'd have some kind of conversion process, both domestically and when you're sending ambassadors or the equivalent of prophets, mm-hmm. I mean, if you conquer a, a a system from a nearby faction that has a different culture, you're going to get interesting. Uh, you're going to get like a conflict. You're going to have a, a, the leadership, the the rule of the, of that system now comes from a different culture, and you're going to get like friction there. So obviously, I mean. The, one of the you know most fun way uh, re- consequences of describing a culture is to see that conflict uh, as as your faction grows and now you're going to have to manage a an empire and relationships with other empires that are of different cultures. Yeah, like let me let me give you a situation right that that would put a leader on the spot. So let's let's say one leader isn't very well liked by his people, but his people really like you, but they, they just live on the planet that he runs. So if that planet, instead of just throwing a coup 
right? And, and, you know, this planet goes into rebellion and quits producing or whatever, but they don't actually change loyalties, right? So that, so they stay and they're, they're just a pain in the ass, but they don't actually like come over to your side. But what if the planet actually sent an ambassador over and said, we want to defect to you. We want to change our flag and come over here. And it's their idea, not yours. Cause normally when a planet changes hands in a forex game, it's mm-hmm. because you went in there aggressively and took it. But if the planet comes to you and says, Hey, we'll make you a deal, but that's going to get you into a war with the rest of their empire. It's like, well, do I want that world or not? And they're coming to me begging, <laughs> you know? So if they want to join me, and then I tell them no. Maybe the rest of my people really frown on that because I didn't take, you know. So so it's almost that it's that political obligation conflict of of like I have to do the right thing, but I can't get in over my head. And here here's this planet on a silver platter, but then it has potential to cause me great trouble if I actually accept this mm-hmm. offer. So. It, it it just creates a sticky situation for the player, which I think is is pretty interesting. That's and a great I, story. Never, I'm going to steal that. I've never seen a game do that. Now, that's a great story. Uh, I I am going to steal that. That that fits just perfectly into the into the game, both thematically and mechanistically as well. That's uh, you know I've got all the pieces to put that in right away. Okay. Cool. And that, that also cool. brings up an idea of, well, what happens when you have a leader who is who comes into power, but their their views are opposed to the society in which they are ruling over? Can they, assuming they survive long enough, mind you, put in political reforms? and change the makeup of the society over time, over maybe decades, assuming they live long enough to do so. Yeah. It'd have to be a slow burn thing, right? Cause you could, right. Be right. Overt, you can't like, just, Hey, we're, we're changing to a democracy today. Boom. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it makes perfect sense that that's, that that's the way the culture of a colony and would be modeled when it's in conflict with the culture of its ruling elite or it's, or it's, you know, it's ruler explicitly. Hmm. So um, there is a situation like in the, in the initial setup of my galaxy, right? Where I run my planet, the planet in the middle was owned by somebody who's not a relative, but they're loyal to me. And then the next planet over was like my sister and she's running it. So, that but the conflict that's going on is this planet in the center who likes me and then my sister on the other side which i have a family loyalty to but then i look back in the history and those two planets have been raiding each other and then i have a i have a a reminder in my hint tree that i need to punish somebody for these raids and it's like um okay so do I lean on my sister or do I lean on these other people that are kind of neutral in the middle? And they happen to be my next door neighbor and she's separated by a system. So that kind of put an interesting situation, you know, which I didn't play it out to see how that developed or whatever, but, but it was just kind of a a dilemma, right? Where it's like, well, what should I do here? And yeah. So stuff like that. I, I like that. 
um, it, because it's complexity and, it, and it's, it's not just a cut and dried thing of, well, I have to do this because whatever. And, but it, but it's also, we're all three under the same flag and yet there's clearly infighting that's going on in the empire. So yeah, it, part of the, part of the, the reason that the setting is feudal is precisely because in feudal systems, uh, the vassals of the king or the emperor, they've got quite a lot of power. And, and that's what makes them more interesting characters than just administrators in, in uh, you know, say, more modern or different government types or, mm. or, or I guess, in most empire management games. And that kind of dilemma that, that you're facing is exactly the kind of scenario that I that I want to to, to present the player with. Those are, that's what makes for an interesting political choice. Mm. Which side are you going to take? And that comes up in the game as well. For example, when uh, sometimes internally, sometimes externally, when uh, there are there are, there's there's say a, a war or a skirmish between two different sides, and you've got a kinship loyalty to one, uh, and say the other side might have done you a favor in the past, so now you're stuck in between, uh, you know, which which side am I going to help? Am I going with my kinship loyalty? Am I going to look like a jerk because someone's helped me out in the past and now I'm just hanging them out to dry? So, yeah. So is there, is there a thing? Cause I saw that there is um, one of the reminders that I had was there's a person that's, you know, uh, some noble that's under me and they're idle and I need to find something for them. So is that kind of like you assign out like, okay, well you get to be like the, the Duke of like this little thing over here, just go be busy kind of thing. Or are you putting them like in cabinet positions or, or what kind of, what kind of roles can you give other people? The game is modeling a, a, so, so you're the head of a house, like, like uh, think of it as like your immediate family, those that you've kept close to you and that are not ruling other systems or there are not far away nobility and like your, your advisors and your servants, I guess. And there's a house management side to it where you assign those people to particular roles within your house. So it's like your immediate organization. Am I going to, you know, make my son the head of my military, military, who's going to head my, uh, admi- my administrative wing and oversee the collection of taxes? So it's about the, the, the people close to you, those that are directly under your, your control within your mm-hmm. colony. Okay. And it, and it matters probably like the personality of the person and where I put them. Cause I don't want to put a square peg in a round hole, but I have to find this guy a job, you know? So do I want to put my incompetent nephew in charge of the taxation? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, my a- taxes will suffer or I could have a, I don't know if you're going to model corruption or not, but, it, but it's like, well, you know, my, my, uh, my friend Sneaky Pete, uh, do I really want to trust him as, <laughs> as the tax guy? Because he might actually start doing things under the table. And, you know, I'll, I'll see some things like fall off. That's the thing Stellaris started putting in recently, actually, is the corruption deal. And uh, and it's it's kind of like, well, I got this guy. He's really good at his job. I don't have anybody better to put in that position. 
but he's corrupt as shit. So, <laughs> you know, like, am I, am I going to like cause trouble by leaving this crook in office? You know, are, are the people getting upset or is it cool to let him go because it's better than the alternatives? Definitely. And, definitely kind of story that, that I'm going to be putting in the game. And I would go, and I would also say there's opportunities to do that on like every role that you could assign someone within your uh, within your house. So there's a, there's an administrative role which would capture like tax tax uh, collection. There's a security role which is about uh, finding out secrets and obviously your personal safety. So that's also ripe for some kind of corruption or who you trust to take on that role. There's right. a, a military role. Where you're obviously well, you can, if you put a coward on top of it, or if you've got your 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 son, and maybe you're trying to 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 get him to become a better future leader when you ultimately inherit inherit him. Well, how's that going to affect your your um, your effectiveness in, in combat? Hmm. Um, so so what about like to put it in numbers? Right? Is is let's say I pick somebody for a position. And then there, there's two different numbers there. Let, let's say they're rated on efficiency from one to ten, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this guy, to appearances, he looks like he's about a seven. In reality, he's more like a four. But, but my perception of him, he he looks better than he really is, right? Um, so, I, I I wouldn't be aware just looking at hard numbers. You are aware at at the moment you are aware precise. uh, Actually, what you're not aware of right now is what their talent is in a particular area. So when you look at a character, you do get to see that they're good at, I don't know, uh, a a leading, a leading fleet space combat right now. Mm -hmm. What you don't know is whether they've got, it's because they've got a talent in it or not. And the only way to find out is to actually try them out for a while. And see what and see what happens. Oh, okay. Yeah, because what I was thinking was like if if you had uh, like a perception, because then you could over or underestimate people, and you know, like you don't think that guy's as good as he really turns out to be, kind of thing, and or he might he might be far worse than what your opinion is, kind of deal. And the only way to really find out the true and like the longer the person's in office, maybe their numbers could change. Right. Like, well, this guy, I put him in as defense minister, terrible at it, but I'm going to give him some time and see if he gets better. Right. So it's almost like they gain experience or something, or if they go corrupt, then they could actually get worse kind of thing. So, but, but I don't think I'd hang like a big red flag, like corruption over the guy's head, you know, but one, one thing that's really interesting that you're doing is because the leader only has so much time that, you know, it's, it's their personal attention. So if you dictate things, you put people in roles and you say, okay, this, this is the policy. This is how I want things to be. Um, but then you actually have action points where you can actually spend personal attention. And, and it's like, okay, well, it costs three points if I want to personally go torture this person or, or whatever. Right. Um, so it, in that case though, like, as as the ruler, maybe I'm I might be like something's wrong in the finance department, right? Like uh, this guy, he's he's like a seven out of ten, but we're not getting as much taxes as we should. So I'm going to turn my personal attention to that this year, 
and and the, I'm going to spend like two of my four action points to focus on this. Guy. I like an investigation. Yeah. So not only am I am I investigating him, but it, so it would make like his his perceived skill and his real skill closer to each other. So if the guy's corrupt and he's like a four out of ten, then my perception of him will shift more toward that reality. But also if I put personal attention on it, it's almost like he gets a bonus, right? So if he really is a a seven out of 10, I put personal attention there that could boost him up to like a nine out of 10 while I'm there. But as soon as I take my attention away, he's back to normal. So it's almost like I can spend my action points to, to lay a bonus in my empire, but only in a specific spot kind of thing. Like if I get into finance trouble, I might want to personally go look at that. Yeah, I like that idea. And uh, I also like how what that would do is you might think or you might not be certain if you've got a problem with, say, your finances, but you, you get, you're thinking, can I afford the time to, uh, to, to investigate that? Or, am right. I, or, or do I have to deal with these other burning fires and just take the hit, right. whether this guy's corrupt or not? Yeah, and, and if you got a lot of people trying to assassinate you, you might want to spend most of your time dealing yeah. with your defense minister and, and let the finance just take care of it. Right. Cause you're going to be hunting for spies in your empire or whatever. Yeah. On the other hand, that also throws in another potential monkey wrench or boon as the case may be, which is that as a result of an investigation, your, your advisor that you, that you were investigating may now either be much more loyal because, hey, they were doing the right thing all along and you proved it, or they might become more mistrustful of you because you felt the need to investigate them when they were doing the right thing. You know, that that could also be a possible result. Yeah, which which could be a little bit random and a little bit based on their personality traits. Right, Like if right. that guy is insecure to start with and then I go like hover over his shoulder, he's going to really not like it. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. The personality yeah. type would affect how they perceive the situation. Yeah, you call it middle management, the space simulator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I, you can be a galactic Lumberg. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to go I'm and... Need uh, you to come in Saturday. going to have to disagree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been filling out his TPS reports. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That that's actually a, like like a good point. There's a balance to to, to be kept there because uh, the more I you, I could invest quite a lot in the house management side of it, but obviously I don't want to detract from the 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 kind of the the stories then about the, the, the nobility and, and the, and the other factions. So, so there's a balance like, like in everything else. So uh, one thing also that I've seen some other games do is like Stellaris will pop up like story things that, that come in. Um, but it's uh, like events that happen that just give the player a decision, right? Where it, it, let's say you have a, an opportunity to, uh, to host a ball or something right okay. so like leader a leader from another house right it's like okay I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna have like this party and i'm gonna invite that guy and 
this girl and this other person, right? So we're going to get all these people under a roof. So what's, what's my potential outcomes from this, right? Is I could, I could have like some sort of, um, of uh, interpersonal error, right? A faux pas of, of something, right? Where people leave and they don't like me as much or two of the guests could fight with each other. If I get people that don't like each other there, or I could actually use that as an introduction to like hook this guy up with that girl because I want a marriage, not that I control, but I can kind of influence it. Right. Like if I put those two people together kind of thing, maybe I can, I can cause two other empires to, to get married to each other. So it's just like, um, from, from an event that, that would spawn up that would say, Hey, you have an opportunity. It will cost you three action points to do it this turn. And it's, and it's a passing thing, take it or leave it. And here's potential outcomes. Like which, which one do you want to try to cultivate from this kind of deal? And, and I could think of like a few scenarios of different political things that you could do that way. I feel like you've been sneaking a peek at my design notes because uh, this is precisely yeah, yeah. one of the, it's precisely one of the like st- um, uh, stories or like story systems that I want to add to the game. I kind of think that it, 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 you could chain it off. Uh, like, for example, right now in the game, when you personally get married or when there's a coronation, when there's an inheritance process. So there already are other events in the game which which give, which which kind of are the reason why you'd have that kind of big party, that big gathering of, of nobility. And then you can chain those little stories of that uh, context. Mm-hmm. So there, the there's page. a game, have you... Have you played? Because I, I know like four X's and and the Crusader Kings thing, but the Trace Brothers are making this uh, uh, Star Traders Frontiers. Is that the name of it? I think yeah. that is um, Star Traders Frontiers. Absolutely play that because that game it it lets you have freedom to run around the map and do things. But when you land at planets, you absolutely get involved in these political events, which play out like that. Like uh, the very first mission in the game is you have an arbiter who, who it's, it's basically like um, they're going to send the judge over to find out the truth. Right. It's um, it's kind of similar to like in a Dune sort of thing where it's like, okay, we're going to send one of the Reverend mothers on your ship and you have to deliver her into this political situation. So you get to actually have a conversation with her about the lore of, of the galaxy while she, you know, while she boards the ship and it's like, Oh, you're an arbiter. What is that? Well, what does that mean? What will you do when you get there? So you get to dig through this conversation tree. And then when you get her there, you get involved potentially because they give you an option to just not right. It's, it's like, okay, do you, do you just drop her off at the doorstep or do you escort her in and introduce her or, you know, what? And then the leader that's there, who, who knows you pulls you aside and you get to have a conversation tree with him. And then you find out like the arbiter is here because his daughter pulled some shit. Nobody really knows if she's guilty or not. So what kind of sides are you going to pick? Are you with me on this or, or what's going on? You know, do I, do I have your loyalty and you don't know the situation yet. So, um, and that's just the very first main quest. Yeah. And that, that's and, like, and it's even optional. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's optional. And then, so you'll leave from there 
and and it's like okay well here's this message deliver this over to this other empire and then you land over there and you get in like a whole nother conversational mess with those people and depending on what you say to those people it can have impact with their relationship from the guy that sent you because you're you're kind of a courier of a political message anyway but if you hand him the message and then you're like yeah i don't believe that guy you know <laughs> then you color the relationship um yeah so all all kinds of little stuff like that goes on so it's it's almost like a a, a political choose your own adventure book that you're kind of a as involved in as you want to be because you can stand back from it and just watch stuff play out without your influence. But that's also a choice, right? So no matter what you do, you made a choice. That sounds, that sounds really interesting. I'll definitely check it out. I think I've already wishlisted it from, from having seen it on, on the channel, but I just haven't gotten around to, to taking a look at it yet. Now you've, you've made it shoot up much higher up my list. Yeah. It's, the, it's a lot of the stuff that you're looking at is things that are already present there. It's and, pretty and amazing. Maybe a different, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it would influence you in a positive now, way. Now, I'm wondering it. if the reverse could happen with this game. Like, could you like have like a favorite freighter captain, you know, that you hire to like just be some ears around the galaxy as they go make trades, you know? And like, oh, I caught a little whiff, <laughs> I caught a little whiff of a thing. You know, he, this might be interesting to you. Like, like the mirror universe in D Space Nine had uh, Cisco as one of Kira's. Like, like he what was he a tax collector or something? He went around, um, and uh, collected levies or something for the uh, the Empire. So, not necessarily that, but like you know, you have relationships with these captains. Is is yeah, could and that, that and that could be like that could be like a story event thing that pops oh. up, right? Like. Hey, there, there's, there's this situation, you know, at the port. Do I, do I want to rule in favor of the captains or do I want to rule in favor of the police? Right. Do it. Do we want to let this guy off for this crime or, or what? And then if you, if you, if you do, then randomly perhaps it says, okay, Hey, you know what? You've made a new, you've made a new contact in this person and he happens to know people in the pirate underworld. So you're going to occasionally get reports about like what piracy is happening in the empire that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And and it's kind of random intermittent and could go away at any time. It's like a temporary bonus that you get sort of thing, just based off a conversation tree decision kind of thing. You, You could build a whole bunch of like just weird little bonus things that would be more narrative than actual game mechanic, but just to throw that color in. Yeah, the that that's an interesting last point that you've made. I mean, I I I, I like the idea. The 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 concept of whether it's more narrative or whether it's more mechanic, that's something that that I've thought about a lot because in uh, let's say uh, Crusader Kings and Stellaris, which are games that that, that are that are playing around with similar similar kind of systems. And um, Occasionally, you will go through a storyline where there's it's just narrative. So you, you know something happens, and it doesn't really affect the world state in any meaningful way. It's a nice story, and it's fun to play in it, but it, it's it's all the role playing in the player's mind. And it, I'm I'm still not, I'm still not sure how I how I how I feel about that, because I, I know 
that there's a lot of players that that love that 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 role playing side of it. Mm. While my natural instinct has always been, I kind of really want everything to to affect the world in some way, to have a mechanic, because yeah. that makes it more meaningful to me. So, well, so I, there's a balance there. Yeah, I guess the the distinction that I make is: does the game tell me this is a plus five bonus, or does the game tell me this person looks more favorable on you? But it doesn't give me a hard number, so I don't really know. You know, it, 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 it's because interpersonal, interpersonal things Sorry. are always fuzzy like that. Right. So, you know, it, it's like, well, they said this, but how much do they mean it? And you don't know until you prove it out kind of deal. But I, I would definitely give players the assurance that yes, there, there is numbers behind this. This isn't just, you know, fluff, but yeah, it's kind of like, really, we're not really giving you a solid fun. number. Because then you get into people that want to min-max something, right? You know, it's like, do I do I do this because it's a plus two, or I do that because it's plus three? Uh, and you don't really want to do that. So, yeah, if you leave it a little nebulous, it's probably more interesting. I think, yeah, you, you don't want, you don't want to min-max that that kind of. Well, there are, there's a personality type that likes to min-max in these games, and that's absolutely fine. I think the flip side of it is. Even if you don't min-max, you, you still want to know sometimes that the decision you've made has an impact mm. further down the line, even if it's like a plus five to something. Right. But, it, but I'm just saying it's a bit more real. But, it, but is it real to expose an actual hard number or not is, is what I'm saying. You know, because because it, it's like if, if you if you express that as is like good, better, best instead of plus one, plus five, plus 10, right? Then it, it, it kind of takes that hard math edge off of it. Yeah, but then like you, you say, some people like to look at a spreadsheet kind of thing in a game too. So maybe it should be more along the lines of, uh, so-and-so has gained a new trait and that trait may, it may have a hard number behind it, but narratives, in a narrative sense, you know, this, this trade is, it, it wouldn't be something like trustworthy or this trade is something like, uh, if you've just made a deal with a, with a, uh, smuggling captain, for example, you decided to, to side with them instead of, of the police in the previous example, then maybe the new trait that they get is something like, uh, smugglers contacts, it doesn't necessarily infer a direct number on you. I see. Yeah. But it but it opens up the door to say, okay, well now you have this trait of smugglers contacts and it's affiliated with you. Mm-hmm. So maybe they come across information in a later uh, later event and then they bring it to you first and offer it to you first because or- now you've got a you've got an in that you didn't have before. Or in a in a game mechanic way, it'd almost be like if I do this guy a favor, then I get a favor back, and I can spend that whenever I need to. So if if the random dice pull out, you know, now I've got pirate problems. But earlier in the game, I did a favor for a pirate, so I can play that that favor that he owes me to buy myself out of this situation that I'd otherwise have to deal with. 
kind of thing. And and that makes it more like, okay, I'm, I'm banking goodwill with different people as opposed to, you know, I, I'm actually getting a hard number kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, th- and that plays more into the political intrigue thing too, right? It's like, do, do me this favor and then you can call on me later when you want something. And you have to decide when you want to spend it because you only get so many of them and you had to pay to get it because you had to give up something, but, but you didn't get something immediately in return. You get something like a promise of future loyalty or whatever. So there's a favor system already in the game. There's a, there still isn't enough content that really takes advantage of it. So far, what you get is, for example, if you help someone out in a fight, that that's a, and there was no like kinship obligation. Uh, you get, you know, you get a favor, and you, when you then ask them, say again in a similar situation down the line, if they don't help you out, they look bad, and it's a generic system. So the idea is. Uh, the as as I add more content to the game, everything that uh, counts as a favor can be used as a token for any other piece of content that understands the fact that you can that you can be asked to uh, return that favor. Now, are those favors weighted in terms of some favors are worth a lot more than others? Yeah, precisely. It's a, it's a, like you get, depending on the scale of the action, you get a number of tokens and, uh, and, and then depending on the scale of the request, um, the, so let's say I, I, I owe you like four tokens of favor. And then if you, if you ask me, if you ask me for something that that is worth four over square, if I only had, if I only owed you two favor, and you ask me for something that's worth the equivalent of four, and I refuse, I'm not going to look as bad as if I had owed you four. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that that system, as a system, it's already in the game. The game needs more content that plays off it at the moment. It seems like there's already a lot of content in the game. Like I was not running out of things to do or decisions to make. Like how much is already in there and how much do you foresee putting in there before its final release? Well, I've kind of focused on what I call the core systems of the game. So you can't really model an, uh, a, a feudal system or, or have an empire management game without having wars, rebellions, uh, you know, marriages, uh, house management, as, as, as I talked about in the past, uh, and, and a few other core systems. So most of my focus has been on the big events and the big issues so far. And now on top of that, I want to layer all these you know, interesting stories that can play off those core systems. I mean, many of the things we've suggested this, e- this, this, this evening are exactly the kind of events that can pop up and provide an interesting decision to the player. And that's, that's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be investing my time in. 
uh, right now. So I, I kind, you know, I kind of think that, that that there will that underneath the bonnet, there's always going to be, you know, scores of, of, of those events, uh, and you know, you're, you're going to be seeing them over time crop up in your game. Yeah, I noticed um, also a thing that seemed to happen quite often was uh, some leader gets sick and then the next person in succession would fill in for them and in the hopes that they get better and don't die. Right. <laughs> um, but do, does that happen fairly often or, or was that just sort of a, a random thing that seemed to happen a lot? It, it does happen often. And I'm, and I'm not sure whether I've got the balance for that right yet. One of the, aspects the house management is that you've got a medical team and if you don't invest in it if you don't if you don't assign people to 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 your medical side because although this is a sci-fi universe it, it, there's also kind of been a regression in actual understanding of technology so it's a bit like using magic sometimes so if you don't if you don't put people there if you don't invest in your medical team you more people get sick they get stay sick for longer the consequences can be can be worse right. and i don't know if, if if the balance is just right there yet okay because because as a ruler i would look at like one of my allies has fallen ill i don't know how long they're going to be down right but that's a weakness kind yeah. of thing because they're they're at risk now and and while their personal attention is away, somebody else is running the thing. Yeah, exactly. And alternate loyalties might show up, or an, an enemy would take advantage of it. Or if it's one of my enemies that falls ill, to me that puts up the flag. Like, oh, now's the time. If I'm going to pull some shit, do it while they're while they're sick and the the temp is in there filling in. Or or alternatively, maybe you have an event where you have something they need. And you can take advantage of it with your medical team in order to help them. Maybe it it gets them to stay alive, but then they'll owe you some massive favor as a result. Yeah, I mean, you could be like, "Hey, plague broke out on that planet. Do we want to send medicine or not? It's going to cost us, but we could spend that and then bank favors." Yeah, that's a great idea. I love how this podcast yeah, is not just asking about your game, but giving you ideas about your game. <laughs> no, I'm going to go through this again, you know, and take notes to because uh, no, th- th- this is, this is the core of the game. It, you know, it, uh, I've built a framework and now it's about putting on, putting these interesting stories into it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you have a balance there of how much do I manage like the, the relationships and stuff inside my own house. And then how much am I dealing with the outside? Because if I, if I let my own house get into disorder, then my external politics don't matter so much because I'm going to rot from within. So it's, it's kind of a 50, 50 mix. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Which is the thing that a lot of, uh, you know, four X games, they, they assume like perfect leadership and a perfect, uh, like logistics system and everything. So it's only the external decisions that you make that matter. You know, do I, do I invade there? Do I explore there? And you don't have to worry about internal strife and that's just not how it is. So I, I appreciate that it's a more complex thing going into that. 
yeah, that 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 goes back exactly to my to my initial motivation is it, you know in in the real world wars have been lost because of personal mistakes or personal agendas, and uh, that that can be uh, an even more interesting story than just looking at you know uh, Excel sheets of who's had the most soldiers and the most planes and the most tanks. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's the thing of like I promoted this guy and not that guy, so that guy is pissed and he just left the gate open when the barbarians were coming. Oops, <laughs> yeah, you know that that's happened in history. And I have to say, yeah. I really, I really like. I said this before the show, but I want to say it again. I really like how the game handles combat. I had one minor war with a neighbor. She declared war on me, but I had a better military and was able to uh, hire mercenaries beforehand. So when I, after a spell, we went to her planet and took it, and then we killed her eventually. It was great. My character's husband took o- took it over and had her mur- had her murdered. That was fun. That's the kind of fun stuff I'm liking about this game. Yeah, I, I, uh, the game does let you be quite mean. It, it's because it's a more, I guess, traditional might is right uh, universe. So you can be quite mean in the game. Which is kind of nice, because, like, I'm usually a nice guy in just about every game I play, but, like, this game, this is not a nice universe. This is not a, a, this this is not any kind of golden age you're living in. So you you have to be ruthless, which I like. You know, it's, it's different than a lot of games where you can be peaceful. I mean, I guess you can if you really want to, but it doesn't seem like you'll last long in this particular universe if you try to be the nice guy or girl all the time, like you have to have some ruthlessness. Yeah. It's, it's all about the politics and the intrigue. So you won't be able to get away from that. You know, it'll be interesting to have mechanics or stories about leaders that are more pacifist or, or or that want to change uh, a culture in in, in a kind of a, a, uh, a, a more humane direction, but ultimately the game is going to be about the intrigue and about who, who's uh, who's scheming against who. Right. Uh, so right now there is one victory condition, and that is to have uh, fifty systems under your control. Is that going to be the only one, or do you envision more uh, victory conditions down the line? I I haven't explicitly thought of other victory conditions. And uh, it, I guess it, it's different from other, say, Forex games, where you're clearly aiming towards, uh, you right. know, winning the game. But I guess in some sense, you don't, you don't win Star Dynasties so much as you kind of enjoy the journey and the stories that get generated along the way as you try to grow your empire and your power. So I'm not really sure how to play the, the win conditions, apart from the obvious one of conquer the galaxy. That's fair. There's, a, there's an interesting opportunity of maybe having um, like a, a long-term, like, like a quest chain almost, where, where in the lore of the world, in the lore of this universe, Earth has been destroyed. That's what led to this kind of collapse of civilization and this feudal society. So maybe there could be like a long quest chain around 
trying to uh, find a new planet to terraform and colonize and give humanity a new homeworld. So that might be an interesting way to add another, uh, like a long-term goal for the game. All right. I dig it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I was just wondering because it's it, your brain. I don't know about the, the other guys, but for me, like when I'm playing a game like this or thinking about it, it's like my brain just wants to compare it to other 4X games, which isn't really fair because it really isn't a 4X game. Um, but because like so many grand strategy, space strategy games get shoehorned into 4X, like that's where my brain wants it to go. It's like, nope, nope. Nope, stop it. <laughs> no, that's a very good point. I mean, if you look at the, the the traditional victory scenarios of games, like a technological victory, yeah, culture really victory, uh, colony, yeah. yeah, colonization victory, blah 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 blah. Like here, you don't need war to take over a planet. You can just be like, become my vassal. Well, all right, and then they'll join you, and then now it's two more planets for your toward your victory condition. You didn't have to fire a shot, you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The the victory condition of of having a part of the ga- uh, you know like a, a, a half the galaxy under you that's not necessarily a militaristic system because it's it's as much politics that can get you there as conquering. Right, which I like. I like that there are uh, political options as well as militaristic options because you know most a lot of games, especially in the later game and mid and later game. You've con- you you've explored all the systems. You've you've colonized all the planets. What do you have left? Uh, war, because they want our planets. We want their planets. That's what you have left. But but here, like, you can make deals and you can work together and you could like be like, oh, come work, come join us. We'll I'll make you a, I'll put you on my council. You know, you'll have even more power now, more power with me than you do by yourself. You know, stuff like that. So it's it's really nice to have um, options that just aren't about conquest and war and con- conquering plants and stuff. I mean, I, I like that that's in. I like that that's in there, but I like that that's not your only way to do things. Yeah, because because the attraction of the game is the is the is the stories of human drama around around the, the the life of your character and the people they know so it's it really absolutely is not just about the 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 war and the conquering at all it's about the the politics of 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 your of kind of the caste of nobility that you're in right and so and, so maybe oh, a victory condition <laughs> on that note uh, maybe a victory condition might actually be to have a character, your character, survive a certain number of years. Not just survive the political intrigue, the assassination attempts, the wars, all of that to have a reign that lasts a certain amount of time. That might be a victory okay. condition in itself. If, you're, if your empire can last longer than any other empire has in living memory, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, if, with just the one character, you know, you maybe, maybe your character lasts for 60 years in ruling that, that uh, empire. Oh, I see. And that's the way you win. So in, in the sense, it's, it's, 
it's roguelike in that you know you, when you're when you die you you're gone for good but yeah. but in this case it's your empire is gone for good because it dies with you no i i dig this so so it kind of the idea that if you can have us because you play through multiple characters uh, as your as, as your your empire is inherited uh, like like the goal could be that that you have a life where you know you 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 get a certain amount of, of like acclaim a certain amount of, of of success so so it'll be like the goal would the goal might be to have a really successful faction leader in your bloodline. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be conquer, you know, f- conquer yeah. or or assimilate fifty uh, worlds into your empire. It may be you only have to hold ten or twelve, but you have to stay alive long enough to hmm. gain all of that renown for what right. you hold. You yeah. can do that. You can do that. You can do that thing if you want like a shorter game. Like if you want like a really quick game, you can make it like I want to survive as a ruler for ten years or twenty years. If you want like a short game, you know, yeah. maybe something like that. That could be fun. There's an interesting. There's an interesting um, uh, balance here, I guess, because what I found about the game is that. Well, well, the fun of the game is not necessarily aiming towards that that conquering the or, 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 or to be honest against any goal. As you're playing the game, you tend to get caught up in in the stories that happen. Like a character will come up, and they really wrong you in some way, and and you become obsessed with finding a way to get back at them for you know, uh, or, or you might set your you might set your own goals about about what you want to achieve. But it's surprising how how different the playing the game can be for for some players just by telling them that there's a goal so for example some some of my playtesters i gave them a version of the game before i had put in the victory progress uh, button that says oh you need to conquer half the galaxy and they're like well i'm a little bit lost about what to do and then gave them the exact same build with you know that little window that you open and it says oh you've con- you you're you're five systems in from having to get 50 and they're like oh yeah it, the game's focused now I, re- I i really you know and it's a different experience for them so it's is the, is this interesting dynamic psychological dynamic that's going on in the player's head just being told there's a goal is really important to a certain kind of player so I'm, I'm still, I'm still figuring out what what the right goals could be. Sure. No, I, I was just thinking for maybe a more custom game experience. Like, if you don't want to spend all the time conquering fifty systems, you want a fast game where you conquer ten, you know, or something like that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, so maybe having a little some sliders or something. I know some people don't like sliders after uh, <laughs> the first Master of Orion game. I love them. <laughs> so, how far along would you say the game is at this point? Like, you're in alpha. You're in an alpha right now, but like, are you close to beta? Like, where where along your roadmap would you say you are? Um, the game's kind of open ended, right? Because it's 
a lot of the framework is done now. So it's so it's I mean there, there's still there's still plenty of things that, that still need to be done, don't get me wrong. But but in, in some sense the biggest thing that's left is is to add more content to the game. And that is open-ended because you could keep adding content, you know, for 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 a long time. So it's hard to say it's X percent complete. In the in the short term, I'm my focus is on trying to is on uh, kind of getting to a point where I'm comfortable about the level of content in the game and about well well polishing down some of the rough edges it's currently got and then starting an early access and seeing what player feedback is like or 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 more player feedback because actually I, I the 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 feedback from the from the playtesters that have been playing the alpha right now has been excellent and. Uh, it, it, it's really worked very well to kind of hone the game and, uh, and take it down the right directions. And obviously I want to do that with, with more players in an early access. So that's, that's more what I'm focused on at the moment rather than uh, thinking how, how, much, how much is the game complete? What is it going to have when it's finished? That's kind of nice that you have a dedicated band of uh, alpha testers that have been so helpful. You know that's that's really great. You don't you don't you don't hear a lot about that phase of development from a, a lot of the time. Usually it's just oh here's a game in early access, or oh here's a closed beta. You know so so it's nice to hear that even at this early stage you have people who are giving you feedback. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely been very definitely been very helpful and. Uh, it obviously once once when you give a, a a game to 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 an audience, they're going to come back with ideas and 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 see it in a completely different way than than you did. So it's it's an it's an incredibly important threshold to go from that place where you've been working on something on your own for multiple years and then starting to see people engage with it and take it in ways you didn't quite think uh, it, it would or could go. And how how many years have you been working on this so far? I don't even know if we got to that I, point. <laughs> I don't even know if we asked that. Uh, I've been working on it uh, uh, for four years now. Oof! That, no wonder it's pretty. Because it feels sorry, Jim. I was just going to say it feels pretty mature. Yeah, I was going to say point. it's come a long way. For I've seen a lot of four-year projects that yeah have this look and feel to it. Because really. That, that's the thing I, I keep coming back to is the UI works and it doesn't boggle my mind. I'm, I'm not confused. Like the more I look at it, the more I understand it, which is the inverse of some things. So, you know, it's uh, I guess I, I would say like the design language is quite clear in it. It's just that I need more familiarity with with what it is. But I don't have any trouble finding anything because it breadcrumbs me to everything. So it's uh that's that's a lesson to other developers i think take take note that's how it's done especially that's really good to hear in, thank you this is in unity right yeah the uh, the ui and uh, the star map that's 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 running in unity the the game engine that's simulating the world that's that's all uh homebrew that's all homebrew custom built oh wow so you have multiple engines going at the same time like Unity working with this background simulation? Yeah, because the the 
the simulation of the characters and and the actions and the events that to them. If you simulated that, if you, if you simulated that using uh, Unity's concepts of objects, that would be a really inefficient way to do it. I think. Oh. So it's um, it's using a custom engine to to do all that. So how many characters can a typical game have? I don't know if you said this earlier, but I'm just curious. Right now, the cast of a game is about two thousand characters. Holy but God. wow! <laughs> I think I think of that as as not enough, but uh, it's uh, it's something I, I'd like to push the boundary on as uh, as uh, as the game goes forward. It, it, partly, it's it's performance reasons. So uh, I the you can't see the whole map, uh, but the map right now has about a hundred systems in it, and that's that's that's. That was just an, ar- an arbitrary first first number, but when I get confident with the performance of the, of, this, of of the game, I'd like to push the boundary on that and either make each system deeper, in the sense that I model more characters on it, or make the map wider in the sense that I that I model more systems. Mm, that's personally, like, how do you guys feel? I feel deeper is better. What do you, what do you guys think? I, I'm of the same mind on that. That's interesting feedback. Yeah, I would. I would rather have more layers for each individual planet than a wa- a, a wide. Because like, it's like games like Elite versus Evacron, for example. Like with Elite, you have this huge, wide, massive galaxy with barely anything in it, and then with a game like Evacron, it's a much more focused galaxy, but that allows you to make much more detail. And yeah, I- it's like you've only got so much bread. Or only got exactly. so much butter. Like how how thin do you want to spread that across? Exactly. That's a very good. That's an excellent way to okay. put it. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. That's an excellent way to put it. Um, I really like that. So yeah, if if it, I think more depth is a better thing because you know you make it too wide, you you know it's like you're so, something's going to get lost in that. I worry. Well, like other other four X games, right? It's like oh, I'm playing Master of Orion. I, I've got a hundred planets none of which in particular mean anything to me, like maybe my home world. Right. But I don't, I don't have like a personal interest in any particular one other than that. And I think the, the planets are actually characters in themselves. If you do it right, you know, it's, it's, it's like, well, the planet kind of defines the culture that's on it a bit, you know, like go back to the Dune reference. Right. Um, you know, if you if you have like a super harsh planet, you know maybe these people are a lot different than the people that live on the the paradise world, which could be a whole different economy and you know outlook from the people and everything. So it's yeah, I'd, I would say definitely leverage the planets as personalities. Yeah, that makes sense. No, there's there's certainly a trade off like like you're describing because. Um, it, because we all start because this started from how many characters are simulated by by the game and obviously if you go wider then you have to you have you've got less of a mobility hierarchy on a particular planet so right now the the game will simulate the the house of the the ruling house on a, on a, on a colony on a planet and some kind of notable nobles on that planet but but the rest of it is kind of not explicitly modeled and 
if you go deep, you could you could bring more of the of the families that are involved in the internal politics of the of that colony, and then obviously you've got more opportunities for intrigue. If you mm. you know if you want to sidestep a ruler and 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 go and go directly to his underlings or or, or something of the sort. I like the sound of all of that. That sounds great. It sounds like this has the potential to be an amazing, amazing story generator. That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, it, it all depends on how much, uh, you know, how much content uh, I can put into it and, and uh, well, obviously, how much effort I, I, I can put in. And you're going to keep... Ultimately, uh, it, ultimately what we want is when you're done with a game, you just hit a button and it prints out the novel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there could be some kind of log keeping where we can go back and see the history of our game... That'd be fun. That's a good idea. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'd love to find some way to do that. The game already tracks a history, but it, it's, it can be kind of hard to sift through that history sure. uh, automatically to pick out what's really important, what makes for, a, you know, for, for, the, for the best digest. Right. And this is going to be single player only, just to be clear on that, yeah. right? Probably, yes. It's, good, uh, good. There's nothing. There's nothing that that. I mean, there's nothing in the game design that stops it from being a multiplayer. But I simply don't have the resources to tackle multiplayer as well at right. this stage. No, I'd rather. Wait, how would that go anyway? Would yeah, that be that something would... like you're all playing members of the same house, and 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 therefore you're, you know, you're all in the same faction, and you have to deal with all that interplay. No, uh, I hadn't thought of that at all. To be fair, I I had yeah. thought of it as as players playing different faction leaders because because the game does kind of assume you are the leader of a faction. You you don't play as as you can't play as say a character within a house. You and to be fair, that's partly because obviously you'd have much more limited things you can do. Uh, sure. So if if. If there ever was multiplayer, you would you would play as as different leaders in the same in the same galaxy. I mean that that sounds awesome, but I mean personally, I would rather you focus on the single player stuff, the the content, yeah. the AI, because I I mean AI in games like this. I want I just want to touch on this AI in games like this is I'm sure it could be a tricky thing. And you want to feel challenged and you want to feel like you're in this universe, but you don't want to like look, look behind the curtain and go, Oh, that's, that's a dumb movie. I made the illusion is broken. I didn't get any of that while I was, while I've been playing your game. I have to say, I didn't get any of that, like illusion breaking. Oh, they want peace. They want war. They want peace. You know, that kind of thing where you find in like other strategy games. So I have to compliment you on that. Um, thank you very much. Uh, it's really nice. It's really nice to hear that. It's. I'm not going to. Uh, I can't really sit here and, and, and say that, that that the AI is going to be so magnificent that that it's never going to, to to run into those problems because AI is a very hard problem, especially in strategy games. So I guess my focus is on how to make the AI, how to make the characters believable, how, how to make it. I'm not necessarily trying to make the AI smarter than the player because that's not even really possible. What I'm trying to do is make the AI 
act believably, that you're never in a situation where you go, oh, that can't do that. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, sometimes I think it's it's better in games to err into like cinematic things rather than like I have to explain this with hard numbers. You know, like it, if the AI is predisposed to, uh, you know, it's almost like an actor, right? Like it knows what its line is. It's waiting on its opportunity. Yeah. So, so if you have a if you have a character that you determine early on, like okay, this guy is going to betray you at some point. He's just waiting on the chance. And that way it doesn't just have to come up in some random role that can be kind of an influencer of their personality. You might get tendencies and pick up like, yeah, that guy a little bit shady, but then ultimately he, he's going to choose the time for his betrayal or, or whatever. Um, rather than just, you know, try, try to have that naturally occurring sort of thing. So it's all, it's almost like if you predispose a situation and then wait for the opportunity to present it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now that's a very good point that ties back to something we said earlier, whether you have that kind of random chaos or, or random insanity or whether the AI manages kind of the story it feeds you a little bit more closely. Mm. Um, and that's still an open question really for, for, for the way I'm implementing it. Yeah, and, and you could have like two characters that are predisposed to hate each other and nothing that you do will, will ever make them like each other. You might get them to tolerate each other, but, but that would be like a thing they would always tend to repel each other. So it takes a lot of work to keep them from conflict kind of thing. Um, so speaking of conflict, though, I, I wanted to ask because we've talked a lot about the, the personality weaving that the game is doing. Um, but whenever it comes time to just pull out the guns and that, how are, how are you going to handle like fleets of spaceships slugging it out? And how do I deal with the production? Like how, how do I judge? Like, this is how much of my budget went into my military. This is how much force that I have. And I saw that there's a map thing. I really like the map modes, by the way, too, because oh yeah, it, it's like I can click there's, a thing and see like who likes who. They're they're colored, right? You the know, map it's like, mode oh, the green is people great. like me. Yeah, the green people like me. The red people hate me, <laughs> right? That that's cool. Um, that helps a lot with understanding what the relationships are between the empires. And I th- I think to expand on that, if I if I go into like the the opinion mode of it. If I not just for my own empire, but if I click another empire, like change context yeah. to them. So I want to see who likes and hates them. I really would like to add that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, but it, as far as uh, actually, I, I need to spend money to put in the military, or I'm spending money to build up my economy, or whatever. Right. So, um, and then whenever it actually comes time to shoot at each other, like, how are you going to play out that combat? Is it, is it going to kind of be, uh, cause there, there's a couple of ways you, you could do like a, a traditional four X is you're right there on the battle map, moving the ships around. But I get the feeling here. It would be more like you would give the order and then you find out the results of the battle later. You know, it's, it's not like you're there. That's definitely the direction I want to go. Like uh, it's a conscious decision that I don't want the game to be about, uh, like, uh, uh, like having a detailed tactical layer to the game. There's, there's a, it's, it's not, it's not primarily a combat game. So 
even when it uh, when it comes to the combat, the ways in which I want to make it uh, deeper is the kind of stories that can emerge out of combat. So earlier in the conversation, um, you know, we talked about the idea that there might be like a um, uh, a celebration, and as part of that celebration, there there could be like you know a, a, a few dozen interesting stories or decisions that can come up. Uh, and, and that kind of have a material impact on the world. And, and I think of, 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 of combat as, 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 be, as having something similar. Like, so when a combat starts, there could be uh, a few dozen interesting stories, like, uh, you know, under, under the, the, the confusion of battle, you find an opportunity to sabotage one of the uh, characters on your side of the fence and maybe get rid of them without, without anyone realizing it. Or a particular uh, character salvages a particularly bad situation. Or there's a decision about how you want to handle a particular attack. So I think of it as more. I'm, I really am much more focused on the on those narratives that can come out of combat rather than the tactical side. I mean, there'll be some tactical element to it as well. Like I want to improve the uh, the way you might you might plan to make to harden a colony by making it uh, you know, just making it harder to attack or, or using it as a as a launch point for a military adventure but i don't want to get much more detailed than that on the tactical side and i want to focus more on the stories that can come out of, of a particular of a particular combat mm-hmm. so so it's like strategy going in and then stories coming out yeah yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I've, I've go ahead. No, go ahead. No, okay. I was just gonna, uh, like yeah, you. <laughs> okay, so like in <laughs> Ender's in Ender's game, um, they they had the Ansible, which would allow them to have real time understanding of what was happening in a battle, yeah. right? But whenever you're dealing with like interstellar distances, it it's kind of unless you have that kind of uh, like faster than light communication. I, I'm not sure what your what your tech base is like, but it kind of sounds like they're in a uh, a bit of a teetering on a dark age sort of. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm not having that advanced yeah, so, technology. So I'm thinking it's it's kind of like you 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 tell the navy where to go and they go, and if they win, you you hear back from them, and if they lost, well. It's not like anybody came back to tell us, right? Or, you know, if if they retreat or something like the survivors can come back and report what happened kind of deal. But I've often wondered in these games, uh, you know, is is there merit to to doing that kind of thing where you just have, yeah, you have a war, but you're kind of blind to it. Like you issued the order, you sent, you chose how many ships to send and where, but then you find out later what the outcome was. And it might be a considerable time later, depending on how long the news takes to come back. And that and that's another place for your advisor, right? You know, military advisor walks up and says, Well, sire, we we have bad news. <laughs> Last month we lost that. Yeah, battle. it might depend on the time scale, I'd say. Because if your time scale is, you know, you you get reports once a month, then that might be all you get. But if the battle is happening in orbit of your planet, it wouldn't make sense to only get the results a month later. 
Oh, yeah, you'd be a get lot it. more aware if you just look up and there it is. Yeah, I see your point. I think, uh, I think partly it's also what kind of decisions do you want combat to have? Like if it's, if it's just a, if it's a system of reporting back to you what happened, then it would be absolutely like a fire and forget kind of, of system where you would say, go there, you know, beat those guys up and then they'll come back and go, well, we did it or we didn't do it. Um, if you're present personally in a combat, whether that's because, say, it's closer to you or whether all combat you're present in, then the game could throw up uh, decisions that you have to uh, participate in. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, like you choose maybe to, to, to sabotage someone directly in the field or or uh, you you uh, decide to break up your, your fleet into, into two for a pincer movement and you've got to assign... Uh, uh, one of your generals and, and risk and risk their life on a higher risk on a higher risk scenario. So that's kind of pros and cons. So and I could first... see Sorry. something along the lines of, well, what happens after the battle might also be something like a ship has crashed. Can you salvage this? You know, can you actually send a team and salvage it? Uh, successfully, before say any remnants of the enemy force uh, swoop in and just destroy it before you can get to it. Oh, I see. Or you might have like a, a particular character you care about, and you've got to get them out of there before uh, before you lose them. Yeah. Right, right. Because you, you, there has to be a risk involved. So, so you need to send someone who you can trust on the team. Which means you are risking one of the the characters in your in, uh, who's an upper echelon member of your house, because who else are you going to send? You're not going to send the lowest guy on the totem pole. Well, there's yeah. there's also a difference between like diplomacy war versus total war. So if, if you're doing a diplomatic war, then it's it's pressure. Right. So we're not here to kill you. We're just here to make you make the right decision as, as opposed to, OK, we're just going to kill you all and take your stuff. So uh, and that, of course, depends on who who started the war and why. Right. So maybe that's a big part of it is it's not just that I send the fleets there, but why did I send the fleets there? What's the goal? So maybe that's the, the key decision is what do what do I hope to gain? from applying my military somewhere. I see what you mean. So you're saying you have military kind of adventures that are not necessarily conquering the system, but achieving some other objective. Right. Like, like if I want to put pressure on somebody to behave a certain way, you know, so, so a military is sort of a deterrent force because if, if it comes to the point where you actually have to employ the military in, mm-hmm. a, in a shooting war, you've kind of lost diplomacy. But the military is a great diplomatic tool because please remember, I have the option to come there and force you to do this. But maybe you'll just see it my way because you see that I have a lot more ships than you. So yeah, it's an interesting idea. Uh, the Star Traders games have uh, something like this in that where you are running an empire, yes. Um, or the, you have you have other empires that are being run around you, in, at least in the original game. And 
those factions can declare different types of conflicts. So, for example, uh, they might declare trade war where they try to blockade the other's planets and prevent supplies from being sent out. And you, as an independent contractor, can gain favor with one house or the other by attacking those transports, attacking the merchant shipping. Um, if it's a spy war, then intelligence gathering is the way to go, and they'll pay for that information. But how that might apply here, it would be along the lines of, well, that's the kind of conflict that dictates the flow of the conflict based on the type it is. Well, let's say you blockade somebody, right? And so what you're trying to do is is influence them to make a decision. Like there, you know, there's some political decision that's pending. I want you to do it my way, which is perhaps not to your best interest, but let let me make it worth your while by causing you a problem, right? And I'll and I'll take this problem away if you do what I want. Well, then the option of the other person is you know, it's like, okay, you blockaded me. I'm, I'm going to tell my ships to, to just come in and, you know, I'm going to call your bluff. Right. It's like, I don't think you're really going to shoot my ships. And then you have an interesting decision, right? It's like, okay, do, do I really keep my word and destroy his stuff? What happens to public opinion on both sides? Because I actually killed people. Cause the war went hot. Yeah, and and it's like okay, my own people might not approve of that because it's like okay, we're 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 cool with with like staring them down with the military, but oh man, you actually killed civilians doing that, uh, you know, approval right in the basement. So and they might play that to their advantage, right? It's it's sort of the Gandhi pacifist thing. It's like if you if you can make your enemy beat you up in public, then they lose. So yeah, th- this that's actually. That's quite interesting. Ironically, I realize now I, I, I might have taken the wrong decision on a... Because rulers can already attack each other without trying to conquer each other because in some sense they can't. They've already got a colony that they rule. But I had reasoned in the past that a leader, well, you couldn't raid a colony because if you attack a colony, the pers- you know, you're essentially trying to conquer it. I realized that was actually quite limited because you there there would be reasons to to just attack as a show of force or just to deal damage without necessarily taking the full penalty of going to war and and, and, and taking that system. Yeah, so well, that, like that's if you look, to think about. Well, if you look diplomatically, like stuff that our country has done, um, like over in Syria, right, where they they had the accusation, like, okay, you guys used chemical weapons, so we're not going to come over there and invade your country. But we are going to blow up some of your stuff. Yeah. Right. So we're going to show force that th- this is your punishment. You know, like don't don't behave in unacceptable ways. Now we're going to come over and we're going to target specifically your military. We're going to cost you money by doing that. And it's also a shame thing. Like your own population will see you as weak because these people came in and just rolled over you. They didn't stay. They don't want this country. But they could have took it if they wanted to kind of thing. So it was, it was like the show of force thing, like behave yourself. Yeah. I really like that. And you know, I'll reiterate a blockade doesn't necessarily have to turn hot in order to be effective. 
Yeah, it just has to great detriment a, if apply enough pressure. Right, right. Depending on whether or not the bluff is called. Yeah, well, like look at Bay of Pigs, and and that with the, you know, when the the Russians were moving the the nuclear weapons in, and we decided to blockade them, and then it came down to like, okay, are the Russians going to actually call our bluff and make us shoot them, or are they going to turn around? Right, and luckily we had the X Men there. Because I, I saw that documentary about <laughs> yeah. Professor X. Uh, if it hadn't what? been for Magneto, it was Magneto. I, yeah, it was Magneto now, with, now, with the submarine. Now, in a now in a in a um, important note on that, bear in mind that we also had to remove our missile bases in Turkey as a result of our pulling away from the brink of nuclear war. So there may be concessions on both sides as a direct result of a blockade working. It may not just be you get what you want, but it may be that you need to give something up in order to get what you want. Even though you're... You started out, you were going to make Crusader Kings in space, but now we've got you making diplomacy. (laughs) (laughs) Now now we're a Twilight Struggle. Yeah, um, <laughs> Twilight Struggle. Oh, Twilight Struggle. I would love to see a sci-fi tri- Twilight Struggle. That same yeah. mechanic. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh god. But not in this game. But there's but a it, there's, there's an interesting there's there's a there's an aspect here. With the um, there's some of the, some some of the mechanics exactly. Twilight. Struggle. You 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 probably wouldn't get that in a in a feudal universe, which is uh, you know at some level a lot more. Simple, because uh, um, you know there aren't there aren't that kind those kind of diplomatic structures. So uh, you know it's it's a little bit like um, are are you going to focus on uh, personal politics uh, or are you going to focus instead on stories that are much more about like uh, diplomatic complexities and political complexities, mm-hmm. political in the sense of government, like a like like, like a voting system or something on the search. Well, we do need to start wrapping up. It's been almost two hours and people are probably tired of listening to us. Uh, so, <laughs> so do you have a, you can have time frame for when you foresee letting more people into your alpha or maybe early access. Do you have, any, I mean, if you don't, that's fine, but I'm sure people want to play this. No, I, I don't have a specific date. I'm, I, I mean, it, it's going to be a matter of months. But I'm not going okay. to. Uh, I can't. I can't. You promise uh, a more accurate date than that. That's fine. That's fair. Uh, where could where? What's the best place for folks to keep uh, keep tabs in the game? Is it your Twitter? Is it your website? What would What would you say? I think it's the. Well, I, I tend to cross post w- whenever I update on the website, the Twitter, and the Reddit. But obviously, on on the Reddit, you, it's it's probably the easiest place to 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 uh, you know start a conversation and and come come up with an idea and talk about it or or, or see what other people have thought. Okay, so that is uh, Star Dynasties. That's the subreddit, y'all. Uh, yeah. The web the website is stardynasties.com. Uh, those are so. That sounds like those are the best places to keep an eye on when uh, Glenn here will be letting more folks into the uh, next phase of the alpha or beta, whichever it is. Because, folks, Indeed. let me just thank you very let, much. Let me just tell you, this is a really. I think we've all had fun playing this, and we're. 
I'm just going to keep playing it until the content seems to run dry because this is a good time. This is a really good time. Uh, so, folks, just to wrap up, a couple of quick programming notes. Uh, this Thursday on the Land Party, we're going to be trying this game we got a few months ago. It's kind of an open world active tower defense game called uh, Eden Rising Supremacy. That's a mouthful. As I, I keep wanting to call it Rising Eden. Or Eden Supremacy. I keep wanting to mix the words up in my brain, but it is Eden Rising Supremacy. It's actually really good. So I'm looking forward to We're not trying to, to multiplayer no. yet, but we will. No, but the single player so far has been quite a bit of fun. Uh, very, uh, even, even crafting and stuff is a good time. And uh, next week on the show, we're going to welcome on the developer of the, um, the newly released Space Combat sim thing hypergate that's what's called right hypergate uh i'm doing i just did a video of it uh is that, is that where you fight the egyptians <laughs> oh, no, no it's stargate sorry that's that's stargate that's a different thing uh hypergate is a like say someone took the best parts of the free space 2 campaign condensed it into about 10 missions at which lasted about two and a half hours that's basically what hypergate is with some multiplayer uh, it's actually quite you know, a bit it, of fun. It kind of reminds me of the old ocean game Epic. It, it is similar to that. that. No, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Long, I vaguely remember it. I think I played it once or twice. I don't think it stuck with me, but I did, of course, yeah. play it. Um, back when, back when most of our listeners were toddlers, we or were not even alive. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Glenn, dude, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time out. You're, it's what's what three in the morning now where you are. Uh, I want. Yes. Oh my god. No, but thank you very much. It's been a. It's, oh, it's it's lots of nice ideas. Yeah, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on, and I'm sure we'll throw more ideas at you, uh, folks. Thank you so much for listening, uh, and everything, and we will see you next time. Have a great night, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>